a lot of the time we get caught in this cycle of, you know, we have to grow, we have to grow. And we don't step back and say, why or how do we want to grow? And I think that's the most important thing before we even think about how do we get leads, you know, how do we grow the business? How do we get more income? It's like, do I actually need more or is it actually the opposite where I want more time and I'm actually making okay money? So how do we structure it so I get more freedom? This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to Superfast Business. This is episode 893. Today we're talking about freelancing and how you can improve if that's your thing. I've brought along my special guest, uh, Will Wang, who's really been focused on this lately. G'day, Will. Hey, James. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure. You've been so informative. We've got our Get Client series. Uh, of course, being a freelancer, you're always hunting for new clients. <laughs> I'd like to just sort of kick off. I mean, in the past, we've done lots and lots of episodes on everything from email copywriting to what's current for marketing agencies. Now, as an agency yourself and how we've interacted and met over the years, we've had lots of discussions about the growth of your agency, which is Growth Labs with a Z.com. And I've seen you have stratospheric success, which of course we're both very excited about. You do great work, which is really the core essence of being a great freelancer. But then over time, you get all the invariable challenges that I see time and time again. I do coach agencies and I coach info marketers, but with agencies in particular, because they're quite human skill biased, you have to grow team at some point unless you want to do all the work. And then you still have to deal with clients and that can be also quite challenging because clients, when they're paying for services, they can have pretty high expectations and generally have a really direct relationship in the beginning. So over time, it's actually some of the challenges that we've seen with freelance agencies is the clients want that direct communication. It's hard to hire talented people to do things that you're good at because you're invariably quite good at it, often at a world elite level. And then, of course, you want to grow the business and turn it into a scalable asset. So there's lots and lots of challenges as a freelancer. We're going to unpack a few of these today. We might talk about the structure of a freelance business, how we generate leads, and then how we manage those clients. So we'll sort of wrap all of that up. Why don't we just kick off with what would you call a freelancer so we could recognize if we even are one? Yeah. So for me, a freelancer, and this kind of comes back to the journey that you've really helped me on and how you know, we've grown what we were doing. But I start by looking at a freelancer saying that essentially they provide a service to a paying customer, whether that service is in copywriting, for instance, what we do, or it's as a graphics designer or a web developer. It's really taking a skill set that you're really good at and selling it, whether it's project-based or time-based, to a paying client. Right. And so let's say you're good at something, you're a graphic designer or you're a copywriter or you run paid traffic campaigns for people, like you're a freelancer. Mm -hmm. One thing that we hear about a lot is people are always chasing customers. It's just like a <laughs> fe it, feast or famine comes to mind, actually. It's, it's, yeah. it's an area where when people are really good at something in the beginning, they just need to get the word out. They want people to know about them so they can hire them. That's like usually stage one. Need some money, got to get a customer. Yep. And you know what? For a lot of people, that is stage one. But having from work with you over the past uh, more than three years now, actually, so time's kind of flown. But looking back on the journey, when I first started, that was my initial thinking too, right? I just need more leads. I need more business coming in. But one of the things that you really helped me with was to see the actual picture. So you know, for me, looking back on the journey of where we were, so when we started, you know, we were probably doing about 20000 a month or something like that. We've kind of doubled year on year. But when we first started, 
leads was number one. It's top of mind for me. Everything I did was about let's get more leads, but it's actually not the right place to start. So, you know, when I go and help other freelancers now, there's a few things I look at and I ask them before we start working together. And the number one thing is like, why do you need to grow? And for me, that was a big question that you asked me. And you know, I paused for a second. I said, well, why do I? And there's a whole different, a lot of factors behind it around you know, time, being able to step away from the business. But a lot of the time we get caught in this cycle of, you know, we have to grow, we have to grow. And we don't step back and say, why or how do we want to grow? And I think that's the most important thing before we even think about how do we get leads? You know, how do we grow the business? How do we get more income? It's like, do I actually need more or is it actually the opposite where I want more time and I'm actually making okay money? So how do we structure it so I get more freedom? So I think understanding why was something that you really wrapped my head around when we first started working together. And so it really got me thinking, well, actually, I do want to grow because I do want a bit more income and revenue, but here's the reason why I want to grow. So I've got to grow in a very specific way. So that was you know, a major thing for me. And that led to understanding structure in terms of who we work with and what we do. And that was the second big aha moment when we first started working together. It's just understanding that maybe it's not more leads you need, but it's maybe bigger clients or bigger projects or better projects where you have more revenue and you can get more income coming in with less clients and less work, but just doing better work. There's got to be a book in that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know someone who wrote a really good book. (laughs) Work less, make more is really all about that. You're right. When I'm speaking to people, often they have goals that are put there, maybe from very young and maybe from society or peer groups, but they're not their goals. They just assume those goals and never really took the controls. They didn't get in the driver's seat. They're like, oh, I want to grow this big baller company. I want lots of fast cars and flashy things and I'm going to get. But that, I can tell you, that never satiates the hunger. You'll never get to the point where you're happy unless you work on other areas of the goal. And then the second thing, of course, we're doing all of that with the way that we think about the business at the start, which is really not the way that it's going to work as it grows. Because as it grows, you have to have different skills. For example, If you're great at making logos, then you're going to get people, I want a logo, and then you make their logo and they pay you. That's great, but it doesn't really scale. At some point, you have to become a great leader. Making great logos doesn't teach you how to become a great leader. And at some point, you're going to have to have a way to serve these customers without having to be on the phone or messaging them all day, every day, because, yeah, at some point, great, you get the money, but then you also think, gee, it'd be nice if I could go fishing today or if I could do some sports or, gosh, it's my kid's birthday and I'd really like to spend the day with them. (laughs) Those sort of things become things, especially as people grow a family, and, and that's not everybody, but it's certainly a lot of people. So. As you change, it's the way you do things is going to change. Your business model is going to change. And that's where it's been really helpful, I think, for you to have someone like me Mm -hmm. help you in the beginning. But now that you've become so good at it, you've grown from where you started. You mentioned 20,000 a month. I know you're a seven-figure business now, and you're in a unique position to have just been through that over the last three or four years and to identify for other freelancers, you know, this up-and-coming crew, of people where they're going down the wrong path and where they can quickly adjust and tune. And you know where they're going to go and they don't often. And I think that's where the huge value comes in because it is not as scalable and it's not a passive model. So it's not an easy business, agencies and freelancers, not an easy business to get off the ground when you have all these burdens and pressures and unknown. So let's just talk about some of the things that we can do to make that a bit of an easier journey. 
Yeah. And I'm going to borrow and leverage a lot of what you helped me with. So I think the most important thing that we looked at when we decided, hey, we're going to work together and, and I reached out and said, can you help me? Was the idea of how do we want to grow the business? So at that point in time, doing you know around $20,000 a month, but we would, I think we were working with about 15 clients or a little bit more at that time. So our pricing was about $1,500 a month to $2,500 a month with you know one or two premium clients paying about $5,000 a month. But $1,500 a month, it's a lot of work to be sustaining a $20,000 a month revenue. And we looked at it and one of the first things he said was, what value do your clients get from you? And it immediately made me realize that, well, you know, for us to go in and help a business grow by 30%, it's something that we were doing day in, day out. And you know, 30% for businesses, for traditional businesses, brick and mortar, it's actually really good growth year, right? If they do 30%. But we were doing it regularly. The problem was that the clients we were working with, they might have only been doing 100 grand a year. So when you improve it by 30%, yeah, the percentage looks good, but it's only another 30 grand going into the business or the bottom line at the end of the year. So one of the things you really got me to realize quickly was, hey, why don't we work with these businesses doing 1 million, 2 million, 3 million dollars a year? And if we do a 50% growth for them, it's like 300,000, 600, 1 million dollars. And very, very quickly, we can start charging what we're actually worth. Because at that point in time, we had proven that we knew how to grow businesses really quickly, but it's just like we were working with the wrong audience. So the lever that we could pull wasn't a really big lever. So one of the first things we started doing was, okay, so who are the clients who, if we took the results we got for our smaller clients and plonked it into their business, that will generate million-dollar results. And so from that point on, it got really easy to charge the prices we needed to charge because they were making millions of dollars. So to pay us six figures was just an absolute no-brainer. So that was a massive shift. And to go with that shift, it was also the thinking around what do we do really, really well and positioning our business around that. So when I first spoke to you, I actually said, hey, we're, I'm a Facebook marketer. And I think you kind of had a chuckle, had a bit of a laugh and said, okay, one of about 5 million out there. And we really quickly realized that, well, the Facebook marketing platform, you know, yeah, you can be good at it, but it's someone else's platform and it's nothing special, right? There's a million of, you know, a million people out there doing Facebook marketing. The stuff that really helped us to stand out was the copywriting and the storytelling. So we really packaged our services to be a premium copywriting agency or freelancing business that did Facebook ads to get eyeballs onto the copy. And so the combination of higher ticket, higher value, higher results, plus the specialization really allowed us to jump our prices up fairly quickly. Well, you're a growth lab and you do it by getting clients for people because ultimately that's what they want. The only reason most people are running ads on Facebook is because they want to make sales. They want clients and good copy and great stories are going to turn that advertising into clients because the challenge a lot of people have when they have a Facebook agency, if that's all they do is there's often, you know, the ball doesn't carry all the way down to the conversion. So you hear this story a lot, people spending quite a lot on ads, but they're not able to make it back mm -hmm. and then they stop. Or they're spending money on ads and they're making it back for a while and then it stops working, and they don't have a plan B. That's why having an agency that is high value who can understand what the client's actually trying to do, which is to spend a dollar to make more than a dollar back mm. and to get more clients and to increase their growth, then that's where you hit the crosshairs. But I'd say for most freelancers, it's helpful to have someone else sit down and try and figure out what it is that you're actually doing here because some people don't know. They get so technical. Mm. They get under the hood. They get in love with their software or the training they've done or the certification course they've paid for to do it that way, but they're never really thinking about the customer. Mm. And the customer is the one who, <laughs> who really is the whole purpose we're here for. 
Why don't we talk about getting customers? Because that's one, you know, obviously we have a whole series on this, mm. getting clients. It's a big part of what you do. And I think you're probably the best in the world at getting customers in a combo of paid to conversion, especially for these clients who are seeing tremendous value from the campaigns you're doing. And now, of course, you're doing it for yourself, which is great to see. What can we speak about here in terms of trying to get customers as a freelancer, especially in the early phases? Yeah, thanks, James. And by the way, that's really high praise coming from you. So thank you so much for that. One of the things I see, well, actually, I'll break it down because when I think about getting customers as a freelancer, the biggest problem I see that a lot of freelancers have, and certainly I had this issue before we started working together, was really talking about what we do. So for example, if I'm a graphics designer and I have a lead approach me or a potential client approach me, say, hey, can you design a logo for me? A lot of the times they might turn around and go, sure, I'm a graphic designer. I can design this logo. But the way they talk about themselves puts them in you know, a category of a thousand, right? They're competing with a thousand other graphics designers. The client's probably going to Upwork or Fiverr and they're getting quotes coming through. And they're going to look at the range of quotes and probably settle on something, unless there's an overwhelmingly compelling reason, they're going to settle on something around the middle. So you're starting to compete on price. You're starting to compete on you know, a bunch of other things that you don't want to compete with, right? Offering more for less, which is kind of the exact opposite of what you teach, like make more by doing less. These people are making less by doing more, which is the complete opposite. So really, really quickly, before you even think about lead generation, the first thing you've got to think about is where is my value and how do I differentiate myself from everyone else in my market? So if I was a graphic designer, for example, I might turn around and go, well, I only design a certain type of logos for e-commerce companies because I know that having a good logo can increase your conversion by 10% because it conveys trust. That's a bit of an example. And obviously it's not always like that, but I'll really narrow it down into the thing that you're world-class at, right? The thing that you can hang your hat on and go, I'll compete with anyone else in the world on this and I'll back myself in this. So for me, that was story-based copy, conversion plus story. For graphics designers, it might be on a specific part of, you know, whether it's like landing page designer for a web developer, for example, it might be headless CMS, which is a little bit technical, but, you know, that's an area that can drive a lot of value for software companies, but not a lot of people talk about it because they just call themselves, hey, I'm a web designer. So that's the first and, you know, most important thing, differentiating yourself from everyone else in the market. And once you do that, I always say, look, focus on one market, focus on one offer and focus on one channel. So what that means is people get scattered. They go, I do graphics design for everyone. No, focus on a market that you really, really get into. You really get immersed in and you understand the language, right? For me, that was tech. So I got really immersed in the tech industry and I can actually speak the language. I know who's been funded by what VC. I know, you know what the VC's goals are. I know what style the VC works in. So I know how aggressively they're going to chase growth. I know the numbers and metrics that VC will ask from their investment companies. So I can easily go into a company and talk the right numbers and talk the right language. Now, the reason why so many of these tech companies come to us is because I speak that language to them. So there's a level of trust built in. So go really deep into one market and really focus on it. From experience, you can get to seven figures really, really quickly with just one specialized market. And the next part of that is the offer, right? MOC, market offer and Finally, we're going to talk about channel, but the offer is what do you offer to your clients that's so compelling that gets them to pay you, even if you're premium and more expensive than anyone else? So for us, that's guarantees. For us, that's you know, case studies that we build, examples we give them, showing them quick results first. All of that comes and gets wrapped into an offer. And our offer is so much better than our competitors that even though we're sometimes double or triple the pricing, 
we still win over all of our competition. And it's only after you get that offer piece and the market piece done, then we start looking at channel. So for the longest time, you know, to get to $20,000 a month, I used cold emails and that was working really, really well. My, my first two elements weren't quite there. So we've struggled. But to get to seven figures, I only have about two channels in my business where leads come from. One is podcasting and speaking. So obviously, this kind of stuff has been amazing for driving potential clients through. You know, being on your podcast has always generated results for us. Being on other people's podcasts, being on stages, speaking is my main channel. And then we've just recently started doing cold emails for ourselves just because we want to grow and double again. So two channels is all we needed to use to hit seven figures. So whether it's ads, whether it's you know cold emails, just focus on one channel and you really get that right. And that's going to be more than enough to really grow your freelancing and agency business. Right. You're choosing who you're going to serve. You're choosing how you're going to reach them. You've got an offer that's really compelling. You can see how that's starting to shape up. I found one helpful tool as a starting point is to sort of work out what I don't want to do, mm. who I don't want to serve, what channels I'm not that interested in. And that will guide you like what's left and what do you lean towards naturally. And that can be a good starting point. So for example, it's pretty well known. I don't generally deal with startups, not generally. And I'm not that into the VC world or whatever. I don't really go deep into e-commerce, for example. I'm mostly centered around agencies and information product owners. I'm all online. And these days, I'm more interested in partnerships with yourself and a few others and growing their business because that's the most satisfying work for me and it's the best suited to my skill set as a specialist generalist. <laughs> you know, like that's my strength. And uh, now people who are in the earlier phases or they're starting up or they want to learn more about it or whatever, I'll refer them to partners. And that's why we're chatting because if someone's in that freelancer stage but not quite seven figures yet or not even mid sixes and they're trying to figure out why, then we should review this episode. There's things like Maybe you don't know who you're serving or you're trying to serve everybody, which means you're serving nobody. Maybe you're not charging a premium. You've, made, you've allowed yourself to become commoditized because your offer is weak or your messaging is not good enough or your own, um, this is a big one, Will, we haven't really talked about this, but your own personal value of what your skill set is is probably lower than what the client might think it is. And that's a really big one, especially I think freelancing, and correct me if you think differently, but I think freelancing is a really big mental game, mm. especially in the beginning. You've got this confidence factor yep. has to play into it because you are essentially the product in the beginning and you have to sell yourself well. And I think that's going to have a huge outcome in terms of what you can charge and who you can charge. For some people, they would be quite intimidated. You just roll out numbers, you know, like a client for five grand a month or 10 grand a month. It flows off the tongue pretty easy. Mm -hmm. But for some people, you know, they haven't made 10 grand in a year as a freelancer. So they're going to be intimidated by that sort of number. What would you say to that point? I'm going to draw my experience on this because you're completely right. And that was where I was stuck for the longest time. And it actually, it wasn't me who helped myself get out of the situation. It was actually you. Because I remember I had this conversation come through with a potential client. You helped me to shape the conversation itself. And when I showed you the proposal, you know, the copywriting proposal back to this client, I think I was going in at about $3,000 and you just said, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. If you do what you say you can do, or even half what you say you can do, you're going to make this client probably anywhere in the region of $150,000 to $500,000. Why are you charging three grand? Like you actually told me you're going to undervalue yourself and they're not going to go with you and go with someone who's worse than what you can do because they just think that you know, the cheapest quote is always the lowest quality. It's funny because you kind of forced me to, right? You said you have to go in at five figures at least. And I was so nervous to do that. But 
you know, that one client actually changed the entire business, right? Changed my life actually, because the confidence you got from putting a five-figure proposal in front of a client. And I was sweating <laughs> during the meeting. I thought, no way they'd take it. Three and a half thousand was the highest I'd ever charged for, for a piece of copy. And so when they turned around and had a look and, you know, it took them about 10 seconds to say, yeah, this makes sense. Let's do it. That was just a mind-blowing moment. So I think sometimes it's hard for us to dig ourselves out of that situation. Certainly some of the freelancers I've helped and coach and you know, given them advice to get to that stage, I've gone back and said, don't talk to me again if you don't raise your pricing on this to this level. And it's always been a lot of resistance. There's always been a lot of nervousness and fear. But every time they've done it, they've come back and said, oh, wow, like, holy, like, wow, we've done it. They accepted it. And now I'm going to go and charge every single other client this pricing. And that's my new pricing. But sometimes it can take an outsider or an external factor to go, look, you're undervaluing yourself. Here's how much you should be charging for now. Just try it. Even if you don't get the sale, even if you lose a client, just go and try it. And I think doing it once and you know, getting someone to say yes to you at that level is going to give you that self-belief that's going to help you do it again and again. But sometimes it can be an external force that helps you do that. Yeah, well, if you have a coach or you're going through a training program and that's the outcome, then it's huge. I remember I went to a course many years ago now and it was sort of teaching this idea of having some time off. <laughs> At the time that I did the course, I used to do work every day of the week and I started taking Sundays off, just like not even open a computer. And then I sort of, I liked that, so I made it Saturdays and Sundays and then I rolled it into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I've been on that for probably three years up until now where I'm just making some slight adjustments just around childcare arrangements. But <laughs> like this room where I record here, I generally don't go into it for like four days of the week and having that space. But it took an outside intervention mm. to confront that. And that's where you get the big returns. When you get coaching or you get an external intervention, even if you pay for it and you get the outcome, it can have a profound effect. So that's a good thing. Let's just talk briefly about the delivery experience because this is, again, there's two things that make freelancing hard in particular. I mean, we've talked about the not one of the two, like confidence and the fact that you have to be pretty good at what you do. That's sort of a given. The hard parts are that, that at some point you need a team and most people who are working as a solo business are not skilled at leadership yet generally. It's not their fault. It's just they haven't had experience. And the other thing, the really hard part, which is always there from day one, is the actual client. Mm. Your client, you're going to have to deal with clients in the beginning and they're going to have expectations. But at, at some point, we want to probably migrate a layer away from the client to if we want any chance of sanity. And I deal with agencies <laughs> who, freelancers who've built real businesses, one of them selling at the moment for more than $10 million and that's a substantial size agency. So I've seen, mm. I've known that guy, I've worked with him, he's in Silver Circle for about eight years and it was just him in the beginning, him and a partner. And then the partnership dissolved and then it was just him. <laughs> and then he built it up into this thing that he's selling for a substantial sum. And even though it's private at the moment, I'm, I think one day I might be able to talk about it. But the point is over time, you know, the reason there was that sort of longevity in the agency was just because you can get a few layers back from the client. Mm. Otherwise, I think it will eat you up <laughs> if you're not careful. Do you want to speak about this? Oh, absolutely. And that's a big struggle that I had at the very beginning. It goes back to the principle you talk about in the effective hourly rate or how much you're actually making per hour. So in the very beginning, as a freelancer, 
unfortunately, you're going to have to do everything yourself. It's just part of the game. It's you know what you do. So at the very beginning for me, even though I really love copy, the copy was where the value came to for my clients. I still needed to build the funnels. I still needed to run the ads. I still needed to do the tech and hook up you know, the integrations on the funnels and all that kind of stuff. But very, very quickly, that erodes your effective hourly rate. And it also means that you're not focusing on the stuff that's bringing the most value through. So that being said, that there's a massive skill gap. And again, speaking from personal experience, there's a massive skill gap from being an employee to become a freelancer and knowing how to manage or build a team and to get yourself out of having to deal with clients every single day and all of that kind of stuff. And I think for me, the one thing that I did right to get to that $20,000 mark was to understand that I can't try and do everything. I should get people who are better than me in the areas to do what they're good at. Now, the really cool thing about you know, this agency business and this freelancing business is that there's so much help available outside. So James, you're involved with a business that helps find virtual assistants from the Philippines to put into people's businesses. My very first hire was actually a virtual assistant who is still with me to this day. You know, we're a team of 20 now and she runs my Philippine operation. So she's been with me for up to four years now. But she took so much off my plate at the very beginning. So as we started doing copy and cold outreach for our clients, she started doing the list building for ourselves, for our clients. As we started to do more graphics work and to build more funnels, she actually helped me hire a graphics designer who could take all the graphic stuff off my plate just because I was so terrible at the graphics side of things. And then from that, we hired an, an IT person. And now we've actually got teams built up. But you don't have to end up here. Just go and hire someone to take all the stuff that you don't need to be doing off your hands, whether it's like admin, whether it's, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is, but it gives you a taste at, or at least it starts helps you start building your experience in hiring, managing, setting expectations, communications, all of that kind of important stuff that you're really going to need if you do want to hit that seven-figure mark. And now, you know, the biggest struggle that we've got, the biggest challenge, I should say, it's not legion. It's not sales. It's literally delivery and team and culture and operations. So it really kind of reverses what you think about it when you're at a small level. The problems you're going to have now are going to look very different to the challenges you're going to have when you grow bigger. But start now. Start getting wrapping your head around management. Start wrapping your head around investing into the business because it's such a you know, it's a mind game. The agency and freelancer, you know, as you said before, so much of it is coming through to mindset and mentality and resilience and just how you think about business is way more important than going back and just you know, fighting the trenches every single day to do what you do. Yeah. And you know, the irony is it's just so much easier when you've got the momentum than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it's the hardest it will ever be and you make mm. the least amount of money you'll ever make and you're doing the most amount of work. It's absolutely mind-bending to really wrap that sort of concept into the understanding of how it's going to work. Because when I started, I was doing everything. I was shaking the forums. Back then there were forums, online forums for getting customers. I was serving the customers. I, was, I did absolutely all the support, built the website, wrote the copy, mm. did the hosting, everything. Had no help. Eventually I hired someone to help me do support. And then I hired someone to help me write articles. And then, you know, I just kept going. <laughs> and now I do the least in my business. I don't edit these podcasts. I don't send the emails. I don't put them on the blog. I don't share the socials. In fact, the list of things I don't, I don't do bookkeeping. I remember I used to sit down with all my files on the, a big kitchen table and do my tax, you know, like once every three months or something myself. I hated it. It was like two days of absolute pain. So I don't do any of that stuff now. But some people get this much faster. The business you mentioned before, we'll give a plug for visionfind.com. Yeah. 
that was when I decided, okay, enough of my clients just keep getting stuck with this thing. And then they go and ask me, well, how can I get a team like you've got? And I'm like, okay, well, so my wife and I started this business to help my clients get Mm. their team members. But something I observed that was very interesting, well, firstly, we didn't go and get business cards, t-shirts or logos, or even a website in the beginning. It was just a Google form and Skype and then a PayPal button. So there was absolutely zero of all the excuses and obstacles that the average freelancer is going to put in the way of them making sales. Mm. And the second thing is my wife almost immediately hired one of the team members to take over doing running the day-to-day stuff. Like She did that almost instantly. It was like step two (laughs) (laughs) after formulating the offer. And I was was so impressed with that because that's where people get stuck and got that leverage ever since. So be earlier to hire than what you think is really one of the lessons and Mm. know that it's not going to be as bad as it is in the beginning down the track, but only if you do the things that are uncomfortable, which is when you've got a small amount coming in. And I think you gave away the hint that the big hint where I helped you and where you're helping others now is stop selling small things to difficult customers, Mm. because if you sell bigger things to better customers, you're going to end up with more income to be able to reinvest back into growing a decent-sized team. And that's where I think it's been great. I've loved helping you in the journey. I love partnering with you in the series, this Get Clients Up. I love how we've seen Growth Labs with a Z.com grow. I mean, you do what you say. You've been helping my clients. So just for clarity, you're now helping some freelancers to boost their journey based on what you've learned, Will. Why don't we talk about that for a second? Yeah, so this is kind of my passion project because having gone through the hard times, knowing how difficult it was, you know, barely making ends meet, having all the pressure, the agency is working really, really well and I'm still heavily involved in that, writing a lot of the copy, but exactly what I'm preaching, I've got a team that takes care of everything else and just lets me do the copy now for clients and ourselves, which is awesome. But I love this other side of it where I get to help freelancers, guide them for the journey, see the transformation in their lives as well and give them you know, real practical experience and tips based on my experience and, and not theory, not guru stuff, and actually tell them for their businesses, this is what you need to do as a next step and just seeing them transform and grow. So it's something that I haven't really been talking about for a little while, but you know, I've been doing one-to-one coaching with freelancers agencies, but now I think I'm ready to take this out to the world and grow it and help even more people. So Freelancing Life is the name of this new business. It's a business that we're going to be running concurrently with Growth Labs. Growth Labs is still going to be a big focus for me as well, but it's awesome to be able to help these other freelancers and agency owners grow in the right way. Right. So it's called? It's called Freelancing Life. So freelancinglife.com is the website. Love it. Will, thanks for coming along and sharing. Good luck with this new project. I'm thrilled to be able to help. It's close to my heart. It's good to sort of see the people who I've helped helping others. I mean, you get more leverage that way. It's a huge market. There's lots of people. I think post-pandemic in the uh, resignation era that we're in now, everyone's discovering what we already knew. You know, what I already saw a long time ago, there is a whole world outside of corporate. If you're sitting in an office listening to this podcast and you're good at the thing that you're doing as an employee, just know that with the right guidance and training, you could have your own business and there's a world of opportunity out there for you. I mean, I can't even explain what it's like, but I'm Will and I, we're often surfing during the day or spending a lot of time with family. You can really have a great life outside of a corporate environment if that's your thing. And I think Will's in a great position to help you with that. So I look forward to talking more about this project. Thanks, James. And, you know, thanks for all your help over the years. Like I was just reflecting back on it this week. 
we literally sat down. Uh, so my wife and I sat down on Friday where I take Fridays off now. So we were sitting down on Friday. We put out a calendar and said, where are we going next month? We've got to come up and see you where you are, James. So we're like, all right, that's one week in February. We're on the road. And then I said, well, since we're going to see James, why don't we do another week at Byron Bay? She's like, cool. We're off to Byron Bay. On the way back, we're going to stop at another surf spot. So the freedom that you get from having a really well-run business with a good team, it's just like, there's nothing like it. And never in my water streams would I have thought, you know, five years ago when I decided to quit that this would be where we are. But, you know, it just speaks to, you know, having good people on the side, getting your help, getting your insights. And I think it's kind of living the dream life. And obviously, you know, we want more people in the club to go surfing with every day. Love it. All right. Well, this is episode 893. We're going to put the transcript up at superfastbusiness.com. Of course, go and check out Will. We have an entire Get Client series as well. If you want to see what Will's all about, go and check our back catalogue and you'll hear some interesting discussions with us and learn about how to market your business really well and get lots of clients through the door. Love it. James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.